Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. And it's an honor that, um, that he's going to bring the Word, and I just want to pray real quick. Heavenly Father, open our hearts and open uh, Chris's lips, and may we be people who hear and respond. We need, uh, we need you to plant your seeds and water your seeds and, and grow us in you like only you can, Jesus. And we will say thank you. Amen? Amen. Thanks, Doug. Uh, we're finishing up our sermon series today, working our way through Paul's letter to the Galatians. So we are in Galatians 6. And if you're familiar with uh, the way that Paul writes, the end of his books, uh, usually there's an awful lot of hey, give my regards to so-and-so and say hi to this person, you know, at the very end of his books. And so we're going to spend our time in the first half of Galatians 6 today, Galatians 6, 1 through 10. And I just want to read through it to get our bearings before diving into it. Uh, Paul writes this, he says, Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each person should examine his own work, and then he will have a reason for boasting in himself alone and not in respect to someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. The one who is taught the message must share all good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. And there is so much going on in these 10 verses, we could probably do a sermon on each verse if we wanted to. But, you know, we've been walking, walking our way through this book for five weeks now, and if you've been here as both Doug and Jim have preached through this, you've heard that in the first five chapters, Paul's really trying to get across three big ideas. First, he's trying to get the Galatians to understand that we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else. That there was this big debate in their church there about whether you had to have faith and be circumcised or have faith and do the right ceremonies, have faith and do the right holidays. And Paul goes, no, 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 it's faith alone that saves you. And then he says, but once you have that faith, faith in Jesus Christ changes how we live. So he starts to talk about this new life we have in Jesus because of our faith. And then he, he gets into this idea that part of that new life is that we are living in a new community, a new family, he calls it, that is the church. And so when I look at Galatians 6, 1 through 10, and you remember what we've been talking about the last five weeks, I really think Galatians 6, 2 is really the heart of this because it sort of builds on this same idea that we've been looking at the last five weeks. Paul says, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And this idea of carrying one another's burdens is sort of the logical conclusion to we have this new life, we have this new life that we're going to live together in the community of the church, and that means that our job is to carry each other's burdens. And I, I don't know if anybody's ever read or heard uh, the, the, the Anglican pastor, John Stott, but uh, he's one of my favorite uh, pastor writers. I believe he's passed away now. But, you know, when he was writing about Galatians 6.2, he said this, Notice the assumption that lies behind the command, namely that we all have burdens 
and that God does not mean for us to carry them alone. And I think both of those two parts of this thing here, we got to focus on. One is that we all have burdens. And everybody in this room, we have different burdens. Your burdens could be uh, just sin that is weighing us down. We could have economic burdens, family issues, could be job-related, health-related. We all have burdens. But because we have this new life and this new family, we are not meant to do it alone. We're meant to do it together. And so what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about Galatians 6.2, and I really want to work through three things. What stops us from sharing burdens? Because let's be honest, we're not always all that good at it. I want to talk about a couple of things that get in the way of us sharing our burdens. I want to talk about Paul's advice for how to begin sharing burdens, because he's got a couple of ideas in Galatians 6. And then I want to talk about our sustaining motivation. What keeps us going so that we can be burden sharers throughout our lives? So first off, what stops us from sharing our burdens? I think there's three impediments that I see, and when I say I, I'm I'm really talking about myself here. So these are things that stop me, but a a lot of people that I know as well from uh, sharing burdens from time to time. And the first is individualism. You know, uh, in the Western world, and specifically in in, uh, America, we are like, ingrained in us is this idea that we have to be self-reliant, and we have to be our own person. That regardless of what's going on, I need to work it out myself. And then if you admit any weakness whatsoever, that that means that you aren't as self-reliant as you should be. And that's a problem. It gets in the way of us sharing our burdens because if you aren't willing to admit that you have a burden, you can't share it with anybody else. I remember uh, a number of years ago, I read this memoir that then got made into a a pretty famous movie. I don't know if anybody has seen this or read it. Uh, 127 Hours is the story of this guy, Aaron Ralston. And he's out in Utah, and he decides that he's going to go hiking by himself through some slot canyons in Utah, which are really tight, narrow canyons. And he's out there hiking by himself, and he slips and falls, and a boulder lands on his arm, and he's pinned down and trapped. He cannot get out. And uh, he spends a couple of days trying to wiggle his way out, trying to like, get some leverage and get that boulder off of him, and he can't do it and he realizes that he is going to die alone in the desert. And so uh, over the the course of a couple of days, he actually gets like a pocket knife out, and he cuts off his own arm to free himself. And then he staggers back to a trail where he finds help, and amazingly, they're able to get him medical care, and he survived. It's a pretty famous story, and people talk about this like, oh, how courageous this is, how, how, you know, really amazing that this guy was able to make it through, and I read that memoir, and I thought, this guy is dumb. (laughs) Like, don't go hiking alone in the desert. Like, that's like the the takeaway that I have from this story. Like, just don't do it. Um, But how many of us treat our spiritual lives like this, right? Like, I'm alone. It doesn't matter what struggles I've got. I am going to push my way through. And then we never get the benefit of this community of believers that we are called to be in. We are called to share each other's burdens, and that means i got to give up a little bit of my individuality. I can't hold everything for myself. i got to be willing to be vulnerable with others. And there's a flip side to that as well, and that's that if people are going to be vulnerable and share their burdens, we can't be such individuals that we're like, constantly doing our own thing, right? It's possible that our brothers and sisters in Christ could be in need, and then we're like, yeah, but... There's a lot to binge on Netflix, right? Like, 
that you can do this individual thing both ways, right? Like one where you refuse to share and one where you refuse to pick somebody else's burdens up. I think individuality is a huge issue. It makes it impossible to share burdens if we are consumed with being individuals because God didn't call us to be individuals. He called us to be a community. And we got to keep that in mind. I think this is a big impediment to being burden sharers. It's not the only one, though. The second one I want to talk about is excuses. And uh, I'm, the, I'm the king of excuses, but I saw this just so, so, so in my face uh, a couple of months ago. This, this photo you see here are my two daughters on the left and the right, and my grandmother is in the middle. And my grandmother is my favorite human being in the world. I just love my grandmother more than anybody else. Don't tell my wife that. She's not here today. Um, <laughs> She knows. Don't worry, she knows. Um, and so uh, my grandmother is 91, and she lives alone uh, down in Dayton. She still lives alone in her own home, where she's been for about 60 years. And uh, because of COVID and everything, uh, normally, in a normal world pre-COVID, I would uh, do everything I could to get down to my grandmother's house once a month. Um, drive down to Dayton, spend the weekend with her, make certain she's taken care of, that sort of stuff. And then COVID hits. My grandmother's in her 90s, and COVID's really dangerous for people who are elderly. And so uh, I went about six months without seeing my grandmother. And so I got vaccinated, my grandmother got vaccinated, and so I went to go see her in March. And I spent the, the weekend down with my grandmother in Dayton. It was just the two of us, and because uh, my kids hadn't been vaccinated yet, so I didn't want to bring them down there yet. And uh, I go to see her, and it's wonderful to see her. It's just I, I missed seeing her so much, and we're talking and catching up. And then I, I realize there's all this stuff around her house that just nobody has taken care of. And uh, the, the worst of these, just, it made me so mad. I was so mad about this. Uh, she's got this very little three-bedroom, one-bathroom ranch that she lives in. There is only one light in her bathroom, and the light was burned out. And so my grandmother is telling me how she doesn't use her bathroom at night anymore because she's afraid of, like, tripping and falling in the dark. And we've got family who live like a mile away. Like my aunt and uncle live down there. My cousins live down there. And I go, Grandma, you can't use your bathroom at night. Like, well, this is not all right. And so like I go to the store, I replace the light bulb, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I go, Grandma, why didn't you call me? Or like call, you know, your daughter who lives a, a mile away. Like, why didn't you say something? And she goes, you know, I don't want to be a bother. <laughs> I don't want people to be put out because of me. You know, I don't want to be the person who's like getting in the way of everybody else. They're busy. And then she gives me this string of really lame excuses for like the situation that she's in. But how often do we say that? We say like, I don't want to be a bother. You know, that person, they're really busy at work. They're going through a lot. And so I, I'm just going to let them be for now. I'll check in afterwards. How often do we make excuses instead of communicating with our brothers and sisters in Christ? And then we make those excuses so we don't know what's going on in their lives so we can't actually share their burdens. And when we say that, I, I mean, I, I don't want to pick on my grandmother, who's my favorite human being, but when we say, I don't want to be a bother, who are we really protecting? The answer is we're not protecting the person we don't want to be a bother. We're making our own excuse for our own selfishness, aren't we? You know what I mean? Like when we say, I don't want to be a bother, we're not helping the person we're not bothering. We're helping ourselves and giving ourselves an easy out. And I think we've got a, a real problem with we make excuses, and then we just don't communicate very well with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I can't tell you the number of times I've had somebody tell me that they know exactly what's going on in somebody's life because they, they see their updates on Facebook. 
well, come on now. Like, we know, you don't see an update on Facebook and know anything about what's going on in somebody's life, right? Because people only post either their best moments so you think their life is great or their worst moments so that they get attention, right? Like, it's one of those two things. There is no in-between when it comes to social media. Like, when we're talking about communication, like, social media is, like, the bottom, right? And then there's, like, text messages, and then there's, like, phone calls, right? And then there's, like, face-to-face. And if we're just stuck down at that low level of communication, we're not doing that face-to-face, that real communication work to build relationships, we're never going to... ...communicating and stop making excuses. And then the, the last impediment that I think gets in the way is that we don't recognize our true family in the way that we should. And uh, sort of a, a lighthearted example, I, I remember when I was in college, I took a class called The Sociology of Religion. It, not even as interesting as the sound of the class was, trust me. And, uh, but I remember distinctly that we read this article about this town in four churches. There were two Baptist churches and two non-denominational churches. And both the Baptist churches, there was a Baptist church for people who were Auburn Tigers fans, and then a Baptist church for, Clemson, or for uh, uh, Auburn, Auburn and Alabama, right? And then that was the same way in the, non, the non-denominational church, that if you rooted for the wrong college team, you couldn't go to the other church. Which, uh, I mean, if you think about it, is insane, right? Because what unites us is our faith in Jesus Christ, not like what college team we root for. But I I mean, that might seem like a silly example, but I saw this up close and personal uh, last summer. And uh, I want to tread lightly when you're talking about anything that's uh, political in a divided country. But, uh, you know, I I think we see this sometimes because we've become so polarized, Uh, Doug mentioned that uh, I'm the superintendent for a couple of our Lutheran high schools in the area. We, uh, last summer was a, a crazy summer. You all probably remember our country, right? We had some protests over uh, you know, racial issues in our country and police issues in our country. Some of them turned violent and, and turned into you know, riots. And in the midst of this, I got a phone call at work one day on my, my desk phone, and I, I picked it up, and uh, there's a woman on the phone who I know. Um, we've got a relationship. We've known each other for about 10 years. She goes to a local church, and we're making small talk for a minute or two, and I said, hey, wh- what's the reason you're, you're calling me? She, uh, she'd never called me before. You know what I mean? And she said, well, Chris, I'm really concerned. Uh, I think you've got to fire one of your teachers. I go, oh, Okay. Uh, what, what's going on? And she goes, well, I'm going to send you a, a message that she posted on social media. And so she emails me this message, and it's a, a black square with three words, Black Lives Matter. And she goes, you need to fire her. You've got teachers who support terrorists. And like, I don't know what to say to this, right? So like, there's just silence for like 15 or 20 seconds. I'm like taking a beat trying to figure this out. And what, what, what really bothered me, what threw me for a loop was... But this woman I'm talking to on the phone, she goes to a church, I know she loves the Lord, she goes to the same church as the teacher she wanted me to fire. Like, they are sisters in Christ who go to church together. You know what I mean? And uh, instead of having a conversation with her sister in Christ and working through some sort of right-left political issue, right, she just decides that the, the, the answer is that we got to fire people. And so uh, I, 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 like, take a second, and I go, hey, uh, you got to know I'm not going to fire a teacher over this. Like, I, I want to be clear. If you, uh, if you were to take the, the words uh, to Jesus and tack them onto that statement, Black Lives Matter to Jesus, we would all agree with that. Um, it's very evident in the Bible, so I'm not going to fire a teacher over this. And we had not the, the most amicable conversation from that point forward. 
And then, this is crazy, 10 days later, I had an almost identical phone conversation with the guy who called and wanted me to fire, uh, this time a male teacher, who goes to his church who had posted a supportive message about the police. I mean, it was like the right and the left, right? Like, and we have forgotten, who is our real family? Our, our real family is not which political party we are in. It's not which college football team we root for. Our real family is the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is Paul earlier in Galatians. In Galatians 3, he says, As many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment. There is no Jew or Greek. There's no slave or free. There's no male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. He says that in the church, our racial distinctions don't matter any longer. It doesn't matter if you're poor or if you are rich. It doesn't matter uh, any of that stuff. What unites you is now the defining factor in your lives. And I think we've often forgotten that. And when we don't know who our true family is, it makes it impossible to bear each other's burdens. So I think if we're going to be serious about sharing burdens, we have to give up part of our individualism. We've got to stop making excuses and start communicating and we've got to embrace our new family in Christ. So if we're going to take this seriously, if we're going to share each other's burdens and, and obey the law of Christ, Paul's got three ideas that I think are, are really, really interesting in Galatians chapter 6 for us to do. The first one is Galatians 6.1. He says, If someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you also won't be tempted. This is a radical idea. He says that if our brothers and sisters are caught in sin, they're trapped in it, our job is to restore them. He says to do it gently, but our job is to restore them. And I think about how radical of an idea this is, because I think we usually have one of two reactions when we know somebody is sinful. I mean, cancel culture is a real thing, right? Like somebody crosses that line, you call their boss, and you get them fired, right? Or you, uh, you out them on social media and you make their life terrible because they have sinned, they've messed up, they've ruined, they're gone. Or, and I think a lot of us are guilty of this, we know that somebody is trapped in sin and we ignore it, right? It would be uncomfortable if I said something to them. It would be difficult if I was honest with them. So I'm going to act like I don't see it. I'm not going to talk about it. We're going to act like it's not there. And we do one of two things. We either try to like just get rid of that person or like we look the other way while they're sinning. And Paul says that if we're going to be serious about sharing each other's burdens, our job is to restore people who are caught in sin. And that's just a totally different way. But it is something which when the world sees us do it is going to be so attractive for the gospel of Jesus. When people see that in our communities, people make mistakes, but we love them, and then we look to reconcile them to God and then to one another, that is attractive to the outside world. We need to lovingly, gently point our brothers and sisters back to Christ when they're trapped in sin. And this is not easy, and it's going to be awkward, and it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's one of the things that we are called to do, because there is no burden that is greater than sin. I mean, regardless of what that burden is, we could be dealing with financial issues, health issues, family issues. Those are real, and they can drag us down. But only the burden of sin has the opportunity to drag us down forever. And so we got to be serious about our brothers and sisters who are trapped in it, and we got to be looking to restore them. The goal is not to embarrass them. It's not to humiliate them. Uh, it is not to make ourselves look better because we're not trapped in that sin. Our goal is to restore them to Christ and restore them to the community. I think that's the first thing Paul is calling us to do. But it's not the only thing. 
In Galatians 6.3, he says, if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. This is a a pride issue he's talking about here, that it is possible to, to really believe that you've got your act together and act like you've got your act together when you don't. And I think it's telling that he says this right after he says that we got to carry each other's burdens, that there's a link between being honest about our sinfulness and carrying each other's burdens. And I think that link is the concept of humility, that when we are honest about our own individual brokenness, that it changes the dialogue with one another. What I mean by that is if I'm willing to admit that I'm broken, I think it makes it an awful lot easier for you to come talk to me about your brokenness, right? Nobody wants to come talk to the guy who's got it all together, right? Uh, The guy who thinks that he's better than everybody else. But when we are each individually honest about the things that we are struggling with, when we are honest about our failings, it makes it an awful lot easier for other people to be honest about their failings as well. I mean, I got to be honest, uh, Doug mentioned I've been around community folk, I think it's like 25 years now, Doug. It doesn't seem like it, but I think that's true. uh, Yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, I, uh, one of the things that I've been blessed by just over the years is when you listen to Jim and Doug preach, I think humility comes out. We don't have pastors who get up and act like they've got it together. I think they're preaching to themselves just as often as they're preaching to us. And I think that's powerful because when we admit our needs, it makes it easier for other people to be honest about their needs. Uh, humility allows us to be honest about our needs while allowing people to be comfortable sharing their needs with us. There's nothing wrong with admitting our brokenness because our brothers and sisters in Christ need to hear it and see it so that they can admit their own. Uh, I think this is something we got to fight for because it doesn't come naturally. We don't like to talk about uh, our shortcomings and our failings, uh, but it's something that's necessary if we're going to build this true community. Then the the last idea that Paul's got in Galatians 6 here, I think the, the top and the bottom of these are related. He says, The one who is taught the message must share all good things with the teacher. And then he says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. You know, at the top there, he's talking about we need to encourage one another. We need to to be sharing the things that God is up to with the, the rest of our community. And then he says that we are working for the good of the entire community. And I think what happens is that when we become encouragers, it allows us to build up the entire community. And I want to give you an example of this. Uh, We just finished our school years, and uh, we were preparing for graduation a couple weeks ago at at one of our schools, uh, Lutheran West, and I was in an administrator's meeting the day before graduation. And one of our administrators, uh, you can just tell he's just tired after a long, you know, COVID year, uh, and he was, he was complaining a lot. I mean, he was pretty negative uh, about how tough this year was and, and all this sort of stuff. And then uh, one of the administrators, Mike Waugh, sometimes plays you know, guitar here on Saturday nights, he interrupted and he shared this email that he had gotten the night before from a parent. I didn't ask the parent if I could share the, this email, so I, I hope the Hedricks aren't uh, watching online or something. <laughs> Uh, but I want to show you this email that we read in this admin meeting because the, the impact it had was huge. I'm not going to read this whole thing because you'll get the idea, but it says, Dear Mr. Wah and Lutheran West faculty, normally I have no problem expressing myself. However, as I'm writing this, I'm unable to find enough words that could ever convey my sincere gratitude to the teachers, faculty, and administrators at Lutheran West. As a parent, I know that I've made more than a few mistakes, But the one thing I know unequivocally, joining St. Paul and sending Devin to school there and at Lutheran West were the best decisions we ever made. 
God surely had this plan, and I'm so eternally grateful that we listened and followed his direction. And then uh, there's literally, this goes on for paragraphs, where they list every single teacher and the impact that those people had on their son's life. Uh, it includes, Jim is mentioned in here, Jim Fenske, Mark uh, Fenske is mentioned in here, Jacob O'Hara, who often is here on Sunday mornings, is mentioned in here. I'd love to embarrass him, but maybe next service. Um, and uh, so we read this email that's all about how being at school and being in person this year in this tough year has just been a huge uh, deal for their son, and he's grown in his faith. And uh, at, by the time that Mike is done reading this email, the administrator who was complaining was crying. And uh, he goes, you know what, guys? Maybe it was all worth it. I mean, isn't that the power of encouragement, right? Like, encouragement changes our perspective. And then, if you saw this guy at work for the next couple of days, that encouragement started to rub off on everybody else. Like, when we build up and we encourage one person, I think it gives us the opportunity to build up and encourage the entire community. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, people have been so worried through coronavirus about uh, people's mental health, and I think for good reason. But all of the research says that in our country, mental health took a real downturn during the pandemic, with one exception. Like, the, the data says this is, came out in December. Mental health declines among Americans, except weekly churchgoers. Uh, people who went to church every week saw a slight decline in mental health during the pandemic, whereas people who don't go to church at all saw a huge decline. And I think it's because we're getting together and we're encouraging one another, that being in person and encouraging one another changes how we work for the good of our entire community. I, uh, encourage one, encouraging one another allows us to function as the body of Christ and build the entire community up. I think this has got to be a real focus in our relationships. Are we the people who are encouraging um, and, and really speaking life into people instead of being the complainers who are dragging the life out of one another? If we're going to live as a burden-sharing community, uh, we lovingly, gently look to restore people who are caught in sin. We fight for humility in our relationships so that we can have real honesty with one another. And we encourage one another as we live for the good of the kingdom. Now, I don't know if anybody else in here is at all like me, but as we talk through the things that stop us from being burden shares, as we talk about Paul's advice about how to do it, I got to be honest, I, I fail at this probably much more than I'm successful. Um, there's nobody who wants to do it alone more than me. Um, I mean, I'm talking to myself as much as I am anybody there. I'm the king of excuses. I don't know that anybody would call me a great encourager. You know what I mean? Like, I, I fail at this stuff more than I succeed. And so I, I want to I close. My last idea here is I want to talk about what sustains us to try to get this right, to keep on going, to fight to be a community where these things are real and where they're happening. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 11. Because I think we got to keep in mind that our hope is in Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ is then going to be our motivation. Uh, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, decades before Paul wrote his letter, Jesus said, I'm the real burden sharer. That uh, the burdens of our failures to, to do this community right, the burdens of any other failures we have in our lives, Jesus goes, Bring them to me, and I am going to take them. That our hope isn't ultimately that our church is going to do it all for us. That, that's the goal, but our hope isn't in the church. Our hope is in the, the God who created the church, which I think is good news, right? Our, that Jesus is our hope. He says, uh, take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus' burden is light, and that's the one that he wants to give to us when we give him all of our failures. And the more and more that we see him as our hope, I think then it gives us the motivation to try to get it right. Because even if we screw it up, we know that Jesus has still got our back and he's taking that burden. Jesus is our hope, and he's our motivation to try to get this new family of the church of God correct. I think that's what it means to be the body of Christ, is to know that Jesus is the one who's going to carry our burdens ultimately, and because he is, we're going to try to step into his shoes here on earth and do it for one another. I I had just a remarkable um, mini experience of this uh, in April. I was at work, and uh, my job is not glamorous. I just sign other people's paperwork all day. If anybody like, wonders, like, what does the superintendent do? People bring me paperwork, and I sign it. That's what I do. It's not, it's not interesting at all. And so uh, I, I get a, a phone call from a, a woman who works with us. She runs all of our transportation. So she's in charge of buses and bus drivers, and there's all kinds of paperwork for this. And uh, she goes, hey, Chris, I need about a half hour of your time. we got to do all of our applications for licenses for next year and for our bus drivers. Uh, can I come see you at 10 o'clock tomorrow? And I said, sure, Anita, come see me at 10 o'clock tomorrow. So she comes in, and she's got this stack of paperwork, and she's got nice little stickers where everywhere I'm supposed to sign, which is super helpful so I don't miss anything. And uh, we're making small talk you know, while I'm, I'm signing all of this paperwork. And uh, it takes about 20, 25 minutes, and, she, and we get done, and she's like, okay, thanks, I'll get all this filed. And I, I felt this on my heart. I've been praying for Anita and for her husband just for the last couple of years. Her husband is dying of a neurodegenerative disorder. And I, I don't know Anita. I want to be clear about that. Like, we pass each other in the halls, but, but I don't know her. We've probably talked 15 times, like, in our lives. But I've been praying for her every day. So I said, hey, Anita, before you go, just, like, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for Bob. Like, how are things going? And she sits back down. She walks over my door, and she shuts the door, and she just starts crying. And uh, this is terrifying for me. I want to be clear. Uh, I am not... I mentioned before, I'm not much of an encourager. I am not a comforting person. If you are like in the hospital, do not call me. Like, I, I don't know what to say. This is, people have different gifts. This is not my gift. It's just, I, it's not. And so I don't know what to say. She starts crying and then she just starts talking. She goes for 10, 15 minutes about the struggles and what they're dealing with. And I have no idea what to say. So I just say nothing. And she just keeps on talking, about, talking about how great of a listener I am. Um, and so I, I just, so she keeps on talking and she keeps on talking and she sort of like tires herself out and I don't, I still don't know what to say. She gets done like I, I don't know the right words. This is not my skill set. It's not my wheelhouse. It's not my gift. So I, I look at her and I go, hey, can I pray for you? If you don't know what to say, just offer to pray for people. Just always. Just trust me. It's God knows us better than we, God knows what to say. I mean, the Bible says the Holy Spirit's going to give us words to pray. She goes, oh, that would be amazing. So she grabs my hand, and we're in my office, and I pray for her for about five minutes. And she gets done, and she's like, Chris, you have no idea how much I needed that. I needed somebody to listen, and God provided it. I mean, isn't that what burden sharing is? You know what I mean? Like, God gives us a community And we are called to be burden sharers for one another. And with his help, with him as the hope and our motivation, I think we can step into that every day. Please pray with me. God, I I want to thank you that you take our burdens. God, uh, all of the times that we mess up, all the times that we don't get it right, you take them for us. 
And God, I want to ask that we would be the types of people who are looking to share one another's burdens, who are vulnerable and honest with one another so that we can uh, pass them back and forth, that together our gifts can lift up our entire community, God, and that our world can really see what it means to be a community that steps into taking care of one another, uh, really truly and really honestly restoring one another always. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.